have you started recording? <laughs> now I have. Okay. Ooh-woo. Ooh-woo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AtCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your ghostly apparition that haunts the... the toilet... soup. <laughs> oh no, I'm... I'm, uh, the emotionless golem that suddenly develops a Kokoro. Renu. Huge. Alright. Cool. <laughs> uh, this week, AT stands for Absolute Territory, because we will be talking about the winter 2020 season we're finally wrapping up the winter 2020 season um Yay. winter even though it seems to have wrapped up like a week ago um the winter season it feels like such a lifetime ago doesn't it yeah i agree <laughs> yeah um <laughs> all right so i guess before we get into anime what what have we been up to what have, what have you been up to renu in these in these incredibly trying times so, uh, one of these trying times has, or one one of the effects of these trying times has been particularly on animals, specifically pets, who have, un- in case people are unaware, are being mass abandoned by absolute psychos out there. Sorry, not, maybe not psychos, just more like people who are incredibly misinformed and therefore act on that misinformation or lack of information and think, Maybe my maybe my pet is a risk of me contracting a thing. Therefore, I will abandon it. <laughs> what? Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah. So that's a thing. And shelters right now, at least in my city, are completely full. And the lines outside of them, the abandon your pet line, are lined out through the door, like out, just like out to the parking lot. And so shelters are literally posting saying we cannot take any more animals please stop <laughs> G- jesus what the heck yeah. we ended up taking a, in a stray cat which uh looks like it had collar marks quite recently right like it like it still had the the imprint on its neck that it had a collar uh we posted up posters all over our neighborhood walked around like you know seeing if anyone knew you know this cat or whatever and of course no one knows this cat is like it is completely domesticated, super friendly towards people. Like it's definitely lived in a household, and we highly suspect that it was just abandoned because people in this particular area don't take care of their animals very well. Yikes! So <laughs> what? What uh, can yeah. I say? But yikes! Yeah, it's a big old yikes. But the cat is super sweet. We're hoping once this crisis starts calming down, we might be able to find him a permanent home. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a a huge mess and it doesn't help the fact that he's a black cat and so people also don't like to adopt black cats because of superstition so it's just 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 a lot of problems so yeah you would um, think we'd be over that but no no we're not uh cuz you know people also avoided corona beer because of reasons so you know it's fine whatever people, people. are weirdly superstitious about a lot of things that's true yeah uh whatever 
makes them feel better aside from abandoning their animals. That's not right. Don't do that. <sighs> well, uh, but yeah, that's the biggest thing that's happened recently. Aside from that, it's just been home time, which See, I'm fine I... with actually. So, <laughs> okay, well that that's good because I remember yeah. I remember you uh being like, yeah, I'm gonna be late. There's some stuff happening. Uh, when we were watching that was anime. that yeah, and yeah, the, like <laughs> you came an hour later, like uh, so we have a cat now, <laughs> like, a, like another one. That yeah. was that evening. Was that stray yeah. cat? So <laughs> that's that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, it it does feel like it's been a lifetime since we recorded the last episode, mostly because it it has been. But what's kind of funny is that these episodes are gonna come out very close to each other because I. I don't know uh -huh. how this happened, okay? <laughs> so, I don't know how this happened, but for some yeah. reason, when this whole thing started where everybody has to be inside all the time, I got yeah. more busy. How did that happen? <laughs> I, like, I, just, I don't understand. I have so many things to do. Woo-woo. And, uh, you know, I think, I think part of it is just that now that everyone else is, is inside all the time, they just want to hang out all the time. So like ah, pe people so... who, are, yeah. So like people who normally are like, yeah, like, you know, I'm at work for like 90% of the day and then I'm like awake for like 30 minutes and then I go to sleep. Right. Uh -huh. Suddenly everyone is home and being right. at home is a lot less taxing because you don't have to commute. Right. And, and that kind of stuff. So weirdly, weirdly, this is a more social time for me than ever before. And it's kind of, it's getting to be kind of a lot weirdly. So people are wanting to online socialize with you a whole yeah. lot. I because they're online now. <laughs> I have not. I almost don't remember the last time specifically I've been pulled in this many directions at once. I think it was like this happened like at the tail end of high school for me, where like I had so many disparate groups of friends that it it became very difficult to manage all of them. That's that's interesting. I've actually yeah. at, at least this week have had the opposite problem where I know people are at home. But they've been ditching <laughs> on stuff. <laughs> oh no! -y. Oh, <laughs> because no I think part of it is because people don't have a schedule anymore. Oh, and that's so true. It's just like they go to sleep whenever, they go to work whenever, or not work, you know. But you know, they do stuff whenever, and so the concept of time is not quite. It, it's a lot mm, looser. Now. I see. I see. And so, like, we'll schedule a thing at a certain time, and and the person will just not be present. <laughs> well. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, time is is an illusion. It is extremely fake. We've we've really been learning this lesson over the past like two months. Yeah. Everything that we've sort of built up, we have we are very rapidly realizing that none of it is is real, even a little bit. Like we all we mm -hmm. made it all up, and that that dream we are being rudely awakened from. So I guess I guess I guess like that's a thing. Very weird, very weird times. Yeah. Um, have you been yeah. up to anything else? I suppose. That's that's mostly it. I've had the good fortune of being able to work from home as, you know, as an animator. I, I sit at my computer all day anyway at work, so it's not too right, much different yeah. sitting at home at my computer. Um, So I've been lucky in that way. So I've been able to just keep up my usual schedule minus the time I spend commuting in traffic. So I've actually been a lot happier with work because I don't have to drive. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of funny because like, one of the things that you realize when you start working from home is you, you just realize that in in a lot of cases, you don't really need to be at work to do work. Yeah, right, exactly. And for a lot of jobs, I think especially like for, for a job like yours, like there's not really that big of a social aspect to it. 
exactly. I, I would not imagine. And, right. And and what socializing we do at work is tends to be through the online chat anyway. Even yeah. though yeah, I yeah, could just yeah, walk yeah. over to the person's office like a couple steps away, we'll we'll chat online because it's just a little more convenient. So <laughs> Yeah. It's it's yeah. translated really well, thankfully, for, for my profession. I feel very bad for, you know, others who are, are not quite as fortunate or you know, people who are being overworked right now on the flip side, you know, it's it's a lot. Yeah. So it's been it's been very weird. Um Yeah. It's funny. Are you still streaming on Thursdays? Fridays. Friday. Okay. Well, I was going to say we should we should play video games together, but that would be Fridays are very difficult for me to make work. Yeah, you're usually busy on Fridays and Saturdays, right? Yeah, my Fridays are all booked up. My Saturdays are a little bit freer. Well, I have something We should from... play games together anyway. Yeah, we should do, <laughs> we should we should schedule something. Um yeah. but we'll, we'll do that outside of the confines of the podcast so that we don't take up like 15 minutes trying to do that. <laughs> like what should we stream? How yeah. about this time? Should, how about this time. <laughs> No, this time this is not very good for me. You know, it, it'll sound like an office email. Because I'm just being like, pulled in five different directions. As per my last email. <laughs> yeah. I like how you're like, uh, people are pulling you in all sorts of directions, but then you're also trying to book another thing with me. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, you have to understand that this this is always a little bit my fault. <laughs> Anything else? No, I don't have anything else. That's that's about it. Okay. I have been busy, as as you yeah. know. Um, yeah. I've been desperately trying to get like work done because I do have an amount of of work, you know, like paid work to do. Oh, do you? But the weird thing about it is that like, and this might be because my parents are home all the time, but like, <laughs> it is impossible for me to like be productive. Really, like, there's something that's just like very. Uh, oddly cloying about the atmosphere in my house oh well you are around each other all the time now so yeah i'm, I'm not a big fan of it to be perfectly honest um <laughs> it doesn't help that my sleeping schedule doesn't exist anymore it has <laughs> it has since been blasted into oblivion and i'm not really sure what to do about it um my my caffeine problem is getting really really bad and basically I'm gonna meet the deadline and then I'm gonna sleep for a week, so oh, that I can I can wean I can wean myself off of it because um it's it's getting to be a little bit much right now. What um, kind of work is it? It's writing work. It's writing work. Um, oh okay. So it's it's the kind of work that I I enjoy doing. Um, sure. But man, it has been very difficult. There have been a lot of like like there's just a lot of weird difficulties that come up when your entire family is in the house together and then also the world is undergoing a global pandemic in which everything is in <laughs> chaos all the time and all of the social structures <laughs> we've built up and have been eroding for decades uh start failing. You know, it's just a little bit like hmm. I see. This is interesting, you know. Um I have I have removed twitter from my bookmarks bar in the last week and i think i'm a Whoa. lot healthier for it uh <laughs> because like i just want to take a little break because one i think it was destroying my productivity i think it was just murdering it absolutely and two it was kind of melting my brain to be honest like uh-huh like the the sort of cycle of of things that was that's that's been happening you know with all of the news about about the the coronavirus and with the you know very recent news that came out yesterday with um uh Senator Sanders dropping out of the presidential race 
Hi, Future Soup here just to say, wow, this really dated this episode, huh? Alright then, back to it. It's just kind of like everything feels a little bit like it's gonna be the end, doesn't it? You know, it just kind of feels a little <laughs> bit doomy. So, anyway, I have not been on Twitter um, very regularly for the last week or so, and I, I, I believe that it has been positive for my, my mental health because, my god, it was, it was destroying me. I, I kind of was just feeling not so hot all the time, um, and this has definitely improved my mood a little bit um oh good yeah it's it's a weird thing when like twitter the thing that you do to relax is, has kind of also becomes the thing where you get traumatized by all the terrible things happening in the world right oh yeah i i've seen it uh ebb and flow with a lot of people in my life where they're constantly on this kind of social media thing, but they can't get off of it because, you know, it's the thing that they go to to relax. But at the same time, it's actually destroying their life. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't know how to tell them, this is the thing that's ruining you, but you don't realize it. I just have to wait until they, they come to the realization themselves. And then, you know, it's, they're all the better for it, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've j I'm just gonna just stick to playing some video games. Um, yeah, doing doing some work. Yeah, uh, whatever whatever you feel will do you best. I think you should definitely just yeah just stick yeah. with that for now. See, the thing is, and... I think I think I have a thicker skin than than most people. You know, I obviously oh yeah of course yeah online. Um, right. But it is it is getting to be a little much. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. Right. Yeah. I think I think new. if you've got a lot of a lot going on, then you just gotta trim it down. You know can't yeah your yeah, brain yeah. can only handle so much <laughs> i think um i think overall that's just that's just gonna be a little bit okay so yeah i'm glad um, you're you're doing some self-management <laughs> yeah uh now all i gotta do is is get to the productivity part it's really difficult <laughs> like every time i start working i get really sleepy and like if i if i cave into that urge i'll just sleep for six years which is yeah difficult um and and that i don't it's still it's still been a little difficult to get to get done because i just kind of like the real issue is that i'm i'm not like a salaried employee anywhere right i'm just doing freelance work so the so the sort of obligation to do work is you know kind of minimal and it's more of a like you know as as a freelancer you like set your own schedule you know that kind of that kind of yeah stuff. yeah but it's very difficult to set your schedule when the world is literally ending. <laughs> uh, like, like this, this was part of why I had to remove Twitter, right? It was like, it was getting to a point where it felt like, I, I don't know, it, it just kind of felt like, how can I possibly focus on work right now? Even though there's literally nothing I can do about any of this. Right, it's, it's, it's such a... Uh, inescapable scenario, but you have actually very, very little control in it. But you can't help but worry about it because it's such a big thing that's happening. So yeah. what do you do? You just kind of like sit there and you panic because there's nothing you can do to make it better. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know obviously people hoard and people abandon their animals is because that's they they can't they feel like they can't do anything else. And it's yep. it's it's definitely <laughs> especially because you're working freelance. It takes so much discipline to work freelance. Like, and 
like an absolute like people who are now working from home for like the first time are experiencing that where uh I've been talking with them and they're saying I can't I can't manage myself. I did like an right. hour of work today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I I think one of the most difficult things about writing specifically is mm-hmm. it is really good if if you're like, you know, if, um someone who sets your own work schedule to have a an extra physical space to work in yes. that you yes. that you kind of designate as as workspace. I don't right. have that because my fucking family's home all the time, and yeah. you can't go outside because yeah. Well, that would be not not bueno, huh? <laughs> um, so you just yeah, you set up a little office right outside your house, <laughs> right? Exactly. I would just set up a, set up in the living room, just be like, "All right, nobody come in here. This is my office now. Um, <laughs> this is mine that's right actually, now." <laughs> that's actually a huge problem because that's where my dad's office is. Maybe we could have, maybe we could share the office. That would actually be kind of funny. Um, no, because that's that's where my that's where my family goes to like relax too. It's very it's very right, yeah yeah um, yeah. I don't know. Just just like overall, like it's it's very difficult to make uh that that work for you unless you have like an an office space. And I'm very jealous of people that that do that. Unfortunately, my computer is where I do the writing work and exactly you know that's, it's just that's kind the of the main hub that, for so. all distractions too. <laughs> it's I mean yeah. Whatever, I'll I'll get through it. Um, other than that, okay. like I have not been up to really anything that interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I've been, and this is this is why the podcast hasn't hasn't updated, um, regularly in the past like month or so is is all of that. Uh, in addition to the <laughs> fact that I still don't know how to use Reaper, which is just 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 <laughs> sort of the icing on the cake. There, it's just so delicious, mm, tasty. Mm. Yep, so good, so good, so good, so good, so good for my productivity. That I have eight thousand <laughs> things to do and an order that I have to do them in, and a brain that doesn't want to do them in that order. Very weird, but so it goes. So it goes. <laughs> Shall we talk about anime? The one thing that is keeping us <laughs> together in this Smooth. trying time. <laughs> Yes, anime will save us all. <laughs> yes, anime, anime will save us all, as it as it always has, um, or it'll cause the end of the world, as it tends to do. <laughs> so the winter twenty twenty anime season, um, let's let's talk about it. So I think yeah. probably the the first one we should we should talk about, uh, mostly mostly just because we didn't actually finish it, weirdly. Um, is Hiroaka. So there was a new season of Hiroaka. It has my favorite arc in in the entire manga. Um, because I'm not caught up on the manga. I kind of stopped reading after this arc, actually. Uh, oh. but yeah, the the um the Eightfold Path like Yakuza arc, uh, I think is is one of the one of the better arcs. Um, hmm. It's personally one of my favorite because I, I I really like the dynamic of the other characters in this in this arc. Like Midoriya is such a, I mean he's such a non-entity in this arc. Really, like he exists as a vehicle for the other characters to express themselves, and I think that that's kind of fun. Like I do like that he took more of a backseat. Yeah. Yeah, like we get um we get uh Spiky Boy Kirishima and um Best yeah. Boy Mirio, and we even yeah. we even get some some much needed like love for um sun eater whatever his whatever his name is um, oh it's, yes it's like Amajuki, I, think. <laughs> um, I i will i will say this i and this is a this is a trend i'm kind of finding with 
with Hiroaka that I'm um just a little like meh about. Um which is that especially like un- until this point really a lot of the female characters just aren't treated the same as as their male counterparts. Like and cuz I don't want to downplay the fact that there are really good moments with with the um with the girls in this show. Like obviously Uraraka has like a really really great fight with with Bakugo oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and he's like yeah. you all suck. She's so good. Right. Right, 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 right. And and they're shown to be generally competent, but I think one of the one of the biggest problems is that none of them really get as much development or as yeah. much care or attention as as the male characters. And I think this has a lot to do with the genre of, you know, this is this kind of takes a lot from western superhero comics as a as a touchstone, but mm. overall like look at how much development the big 3 get. It's yep. you know, you get Mirio he gets yeah. so much development. He gets more development yeah. than a lot of characters we've seen from the beginning of the show. Yeah. You have uh Amajiki, like Sun Eater, who is basically the kind of like foil character for um for Mirio in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he gets a ton of development in a very like short amount of time. And then you mm-hmm. have and then you have Nejide, who is who's the third one, who really doesn't get anything. Nope, she doesn't like, get anything. She doesn't get any fanfare whatsoever. She she stays outside with the rest of the lady characters to fight a yeah. whatever boss right like it's a little annoying i i i a hundred percent agree because i felt it so sharply during this particular season yeah and you could make an argument saying that they were super involved in you know the all ladies team like that was nice and you got to see how strong they are but when you when it comes down to it if you total up all that time that they spent focusing on the ladies it was like maybe an episode or two. <laughs> well, do you know what it feels <laughs> Worth like? Worth of confidence. Yeah. It, it feels a lot like that one scene in Avengers Endgame where you have I that, was going have, to say have, that. Yeah, <laughs> that one shot where you have all of the lady yep. superheroes yep. lined That's up and they're exactly like. That's exactly what it was. And they're yep, like, we're it, here. And then they pose. And then it's like, whatever. Yep. Who gives a shit? It felt like very serious, you know, catering, which is fine in the sense of like female fans don't often get that even that right mm-hmm. we don't even get yeah. catered to however even so it feels so shallow <laughs> yeah which is kind of a big disappointment <laughs> considering the fact that uh all of their designs are very like good they're yeah their designs are good i like their powers like mm-hmm. i feel like all of the potential is there the, the potential way that is the there. building blocks yeah are as strong as the male characters. And I'm not trying to sound ungrateful or like, oh, I'm never going to be happy with anything. It's not like that. It's, it's you If you just categorically just measure the amount of focus and content that the story has on the male characters versus the female ones, it's plain to see. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> and the one, and ugh. I feel like, sorry to interrupt. Um, I feel like aside from, from Uraraka, the only other female character that gets as much screen time is the one on the bad guys team. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. 100%. Uh, it's just like, a, look at this, bad yeah. guy. And sometimes she's naked. And, of course, that, you know, just adds... Uh, so... Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's... It, even even in, in the villain's, like, kind of dynamic, like, her, as a character, is... 
I'm actually, and this is kind of weird, but I'm much less interested in her character than I am in her dynamic with Twice. Like, yeah. I think that's a lot more interesting. That is um, a lot more interesting to me, too. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just, and- just overall, <laughs> it's like, it kind of, I didn't really notice this as much when I was reading the manga, but like, when, the, when you're watching the anime, it's really prominent. And having yeah. read the next arc, like, yeah, like, I, I've read one arc past uh, the, the one that we... Because we didn't finish yeah. this. We, we only ended at right. the, the point where um, uh, the, the Mirio, like, um, right. Yakuza arc ends. Um, and I think that the next arc that's covered is the, like, school festival arc. And that one is also really centered on, on the male heroes in, in the professional scene. And I hear, I hear that the, there's, a, there's a new character who's, like, pretty cool. She's, like, a bunny, bunny lady in, like, the, the okay. next arcs. Um, Good. And she's, like an MMA fighter or whatever. Or her she's oh, she's based neat. on like an yeah. MMA fighter, which is kind of yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, overall like I don't know. This this season is kind of making clear a lot of things, which is that on on a rewatch, uh a lot of the feelings that I had about the the manga aren't necessarily coming through as strong, you know? It's it's kind yeah. of it's a little weaker on on the on the re-experience for me, I I suppose. I think that's interesting. Ma- maybe it's because I have I don't know. Um, I have a, a lot of very different sort of perspectives um, than I did when I first started reading it. There is kind of a lot to me that is weirdly concerning about the setup and dynamic of, of the writing, which is that like a lot of the writing kind of, a lot of the setup for the world kind of begins to fall apart when you realize that like, because it's based on like comic book stuff, right? It's like superhero stuff. The bad guys, right? Most of them are just bad because they are, right? Like mm. there is one character who is um a character who is essentially like like an ideological manifesto made, you know, serial killer or whatever, right? Who is like I I long to bring back the glory days of of heroism. And that is that is a, a kind of to me a legitimate like form of of evil that's being depicted even if it's maybe not even intentional. But like this it does kind of mirror the way that um certain kinds of evil do do exist in 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 the world like that that we inhabit the the world that we live in right you know a lot of people and especially a lot of people who do very like terrible things will oftentimes call to or or hearken to t- to times that were like better right it's like things were better back then et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. et cetera and i I can't help but feel that in a lot of ways like this like this is kind of this is kind of weird, but like it's either you know I'm 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 sympathizing with with the villains, um, because at the end of the day, when you have your uh, what is essentially your your police force kind of combined with a uh with like corporations and sponsorships and and all kinds of other power like that, right? Like I I don't know if I would agree that that's like necessarily a good structure to have, and sure. you know. The setup of the the you know the premise of it right the the kind of premise on which all of this relies on is the idea that all of the heroes all of them one hundred percent of them are there because they want to do the job that is dangerous to help people and I think everybody and their mom could tell you that that is not how that works in real life right it's like an idealistic view of what what 
the police yeah. is. Right. right. I would say that really a, a larger portion of people who go into the police force do so to exercise some amount of power. And yes, they do. Yeah. There, there is kind of this concerning conflation in Hiroaka between power, might, and and what is what is right. Right. Like justice and power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that, that the whole premise of All Might as the symbol of peace is on kind of a reconsideration of it, weirdly suppressive, right? There is, it's like, it's, it's a very like Batman way to approach societal justice. Like nobody is asking why these people are villains and sure. most of them don't say why they are except for Stain and like maybe yeah. a little bit with uh, Hasaiki. I don't, I don't remember what his like overhaul, that was his like villain yeah 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 mm -hmm. right his his whole deal is okay i have some convictions and they're twisted it's whatever it's a little flimsy i'm not gonna lie but like yeah <laughs> we'll go with it you know yeah. it's a little annoying to me as somebody who kind of cares about this kind of stuff but whatever we'll like overlook it slightly but like i mean why why are any of these people villains in the first place yeah right they're I, just kind I, of bad for the sake of being bad yeah, since you pointed out, I do. I, I reflecting on it, I do agree that the motivations of the villains are, you know, they're they're obviously supposed to be kind of mysterious, but at the yeah. same time, the most memorable ones like Stain, they stated pretty flat out why they're doing what they're doing and why it's opposed to the heroes, and that's really convincing to to an audience to be like, okay, I understand why he's a villain, and. It's convincing to the in-world characters, too. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's, like, a large part of what initially drew me to keep reading Hiroaka was yeah. I thought that that was kind of an interesting, like, statement to make about the, the state of heroism yeah. um, and the state of what is, what is, you know, a police force, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Like, there, there's an entire kind of thesis statement to be written about my Hero Academia and its relationship to, um, you know, uh, like penitentiary power or like state yeah. power, right? Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. There's I have a lot of thoughts forming in my in my head about Hiroaka as 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 an entity. Like I really liked it when I started reading it, um, but kind of on the rewatch, like I'm I'm like a, I'm cooling on it a little bit. In a, in a weird way. Like, I think it, it is idealism, right? It's, it's fantasy. It's, it, it, and I think, like, that's something that obviously, you know, we, we recognize this to some extent, right? You know, um, people don't shoot fire out of their hands in, in real life normally. But, you know, at the same time, it does make me kind of question, like, why, why is this kind of fantasy appealing to people? Like, why, why is this resonating with people? And, the answers to me are a little concerning, right? Because, like, the, the sort of good trust in people, faith in humanity part of me is, like, well, people want to have the power to help other people, right? Like, that, that's kind of just a base instinct for people. And when in times of crisis, people will help each other. Um, but the, real, like, the really cynical part of me is, like, well, people just want people who represent high moral character, who make decisions for them, and who who will protect them with with their strength which i don't know about you Randy, but there's a word for this something that that is that and it's called fascism right <laughs> like <laughs> in a world where in a world where your leaders are are of upstanding moral character and might makes right and they will protect you and they know what's best for you 
that's fascism. And it's very concerning to me that that's kind of the, like, direction that, that Hiroaka is, is taking. Because we, we understand what a superhero is and what, a con- what the concept of a superhero is and why that is appealing to us. There's a reason why we like Superman and a, a reason that I personally find, like, dark, edgy Superman to be kind of weary and tiresome. Um, even though it potentially does touch on some of the, the same things that I mentioned where, you know, people just want someone, like, to tell them what to do, you know, to, to be representative of, of, like, the best of, of society, rather than, you know, having a, a structure where that doesn't need to be the case in, in the first place. Here's, here's the thing, right? And this is, this is kind of, um, and, like, I, I, I kind of loathe to bring this up because I, I don't okay. necessarily want to make everything in the podcast about the thing that people are listening to the podcast to avoid thinking about, which is the, the coronavirus. But, like, people are, like, you know, essential workers, uh, hospital workers, your heroes. Like, your, your heroes, your sacrifice will always be remembered. And we, we kind of forget that the reason that they have to sacrifice themselves in the first place is, is a societal failing. It's a structural failing, right? Yeah. And to me, personally, in, in light of recent events, a lot of Hiroaka kind of feels that way to me, which is, you know, we don't need heroes if we create a world where we don't need heroes. And they clearly have the power and the means to do so, so why aren't they doing it? And I know what the answer is, obviously, right? Because it's comfortable not to, and because the mangaka probably hasn't really thought about it that much. And because really, it does, in a sense, kind of mirror how it works in real life. We're very reticent to change, and we would rather just keep existing structures and update them to to what we perceive as modern values rather than rethink the sort of basis of those things, rethink our base assumptions. At the kind of base of My Hero Academia, it's a police narrative, which is weird. Mm. But yeah. I I I kind of stand by that. Yeah. I yeah, it, I I think it would have been and I don't know if this is the direction that it will take. I kind of hope it will, but uh in the sense of because it is marketed towards a younger audience, obviously, that it would, the beginning of the show would be more along the lines of Deku's beginnings and uh, a very black and white sense of justice as you would have as a child that then develops into a more nuanced, oh, not everything falls into one camp or the other kind of deal. And it felt like it was going towards that way with Stain, and then it jumped back. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that Stain was, was the best written villain. Yeah. And then they took him out. <laughs> and then they, and then they, you know, took took him out. Really, like. So I'm hoping they'll have huh. a return, which I'm I'm sure is probably inevitable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I'm I'm not a fan of the fact that it did take a step back. Well, because it then became less. It, I don't know. I was less invested. The the trend was looking decent, right? Because I yeah. think the the sort of next like real big villain that you you can talk about is uh all for one which is kind of interesting to me because you're essentially saying that the 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 problem is somebody who like hoards things and and uses them for his own benefit like all all for one could so easily have been a stand-in for the the evils of of you know accumulation and hoarding and and you know I hate to be I hate to be that person again, but capitalism, right? Like, I mean, come on, you know, Indeed. he make the number go up for good reasons. 
<laughs> like it, it. I thought it was going in a good direction, and I think it cuts a little more shallow in more recent arcs. Cause like, I don't really understand Overhaul at all. Like, I don't really get what the point of that arc was. Because I think the moment to moment of it is is really good. Like you have like two characters with amazing, three characters with amazing, amazing um scenes that kind of delve into their their backstories and their motivations, and it's like the the pure sort of shonen essence of of like what 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 good hot blooded shonen is, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of when you look at the larger picture, you're just like, wait, why was any of this happening? to begin with and i don't really have an answer there yeah uh, like i understood the personal and character arc that at least deku and murio had in terms of oh there was girl that we obviously wanted to help but we were in a situation where jumping in head first is no longer the solution and they had to kind of deal with that uh so that is an important lesson to have but they built the entire arc around it and it didn't feel as fulfilling in the end because it then became about Mirio kind of having his hero moment, but then it gets overshadowed by Deku's hero moment at the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then character things happen after that, that are sad. So <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it felt kind is, of muddled to me. I, I think the thing is that the, the, what the real big problem with this arc, even though I think it is one of the better ones, um, like I, I still think that you know the the moment to moment carries it enough for yeah. it to be my my favorite arc. Oh yeah, of course, um, yeah. But the overarching like villain narrative is so weak that it kind of falls apart when you look at the larger structure of it. I don't, I don't know. Overhaul is one of the one of the weakest villains in the entire series, which is very strange. Yeah. And then the other villains dog on him at the end. <laughs> yeah, they they like they they're like we're gonna we're gonna hijack your your carrying vessel not to kidnap you but just to break your arms off so you can't use your powers no more. We're just yeah. here to be dicks. Yeah. Right, and it's like, all right, okay, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're bad guys. I get you. I get you. Um. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's it. For for a series that started out with such a strong, um, kind of uh impactful villain and oh yeah motivations that reach people because this is this and this is an interesting thing to me which is like a lot of the villains are there because of Stain and that to me is is much more interesting than whatever the hell Overhaul is doing oh yeah for sure that is legitimately how people right now in the United States of America are being radicalized you know that. Yeah, kind of absolutely. sharing of content like that and that shock is is something that that actually gets to people. But like yeah. he, I think the big problem with My Hair Academia is that it never ever 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 questions its base assumptions. You know, Stain mm. says you you are you heroes are bad because you only care about money and fame and glory and nothing in the show disproves that. It just says, "Nah, we won't engage yeah. with that, really. He's a bad yeah. guy. And that's kind of a shame, because there, there's a lot yeah. of really interesting stuff to explore there, while also still making your heroes and your world a likable place. Oh, yeah, and of course. I think that there's... And this is the, it's funny, because um, the comparison I would make is 
that Hiraka kind of feels like, um, Hiraka feels like the version of a show that I like, oh god, what, how, how should I put this? All right, so you know the, you know the movie Zootopia. <laughs> yes. And you know the trigger anime that's coming out this season, BNA Brand New Anime. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like if you were to put an equation where Zootopia and then there's like a, an arrow that points to BNA, My Hero Academia is on the left side with Zootopia. And I don't know what's on the right side. It might honestly just be Demon Slayer. <laughs> like, personally, the, the thing about it is, like, I, I realize that I just like Demon Slayer better. Because even though My Hero Academia is, is at, its, at its core technically about saving people, it's like, ah, I'm being a hero, I'm saving people. Like, they just kind of fight good, right? Like, they, they do a lot of fighting good. And th yeah, there's no... It, I don't it, know. It feels like um maybe this is the sense that you're getting, is that Demon Slayer kind of explores the uh the, the emotional weight of it a little in a, in, in a more varied and in deep fashion versus Hiro Aka feels like it it stays very surface level in terms of oh man all my sacrificing himself that sucks <laughs> and yeah. then Deku tries to get stronger and then with Demon Slayer he mourns the fact that he has to kill these demons but at the same time he has to grapple with the fact that he is freeing them because they are they used to be humans. Yeah. And he doesn't forget either aspect of that. And uh, it feels like with Hiroaka, once you lock up the villain, that's clap, clap, dust yourself off. It's good to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I think it's just, just overall, like, Hiroaka is, like, not as, I mean, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but it's not as deep of a show. It, or not as deep of a series. It doesn't explore the it does not explore the the kind of like societal structures that create villains first of all right yeah like, i think that would be really cool and 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 that it leaves it wide open for for it to do that which is why i'm i'm hoping that it'll do stuff like that in the future but i mean I it would, just seems like right now so. it's not interested in that <laughs> yeah and it and it doesn't really i i don't think seem to care about you know the the emotional impact of of it um, as, as you said, like, yeah, I mean, these are, these are kids that are essentially being like, they're like 16, right? And they're going into life and death situations. They're, they're being like shock traumatized into being a police force, right? This is, this is not a, this is not an overreach of me to say that. Yeah, I think it's, in the end, it might just be up to personal preference of, I don't want your politics in my hero drama, <laughs> whatever. Right. Or which I don't is, want. Which is funny and, because the hero drama is literally all about politics. Right. Exactly. It's all about yeah, and and so it could just be a very purposeful. I don't want to make this about that. I just want this to be a fun thing that people can watch and enjoy without getting like very real concerns dragged into it. You know, kind of like a very light turn your brain off, enjoy kind of show, which is fine. And that there's certainly a huge audience for that because people, Lord knows, are stressed out enough during the day that they don't want to be stressed out while watching their show. Um, and then there's other preferences of, you know, maybe I want to see a little more exploration and what the author thinks about this or that or questioning mm -hmm. this or that with very interesting characters and having their perspectives on it, too. Well, so that's kind of what I like about Demon Slayer, though, is yeah, that it 
it is very much willing to say there is evil in the world. This mm-hmm. evil is caused by people who do things. But the reason that that evil is so appealing to people, because um, a lot of the people who become demons oftentimes have latent trauma or, or you know, choose to become demons willingly, right? A lot of those are are the result of of circumstance, right? You know, yeah. if if you had grown up in a in a happy life and not been anything, you might not have become you might not have chosen to become a demon. But a lot of those people kind of did choose to become demons. And even though society not not in society, because um most of them are like, you know, it's like illness and stuff, but like Right. Even though circumstance was the reason many of these people chose to to, you know, kind of em- embrace this this evil right you know killing and eating people i would say is pretty like we agree that's pretty bad yeah it doesn't absolve them of that but it also says like look at this this is this is what evil is right this is what yeah. the, the enemy is and it, it's really i think willing to be vulnerable about that which i think is very interesting for a shonen show oh yeah yeah it's it's very different and in that vein i think it's it's almost like a preference of like, do you like Madoka or Sailor Moon, right? Do you do you want existential horror <laughs> in I, your I, magical I girl anime? Yeah, and 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 it kind of like in that way, I feel like Demon Slayer is also commentary on the whole Jonin genre of, uh, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that happens, but also here's another perspective on it. Um, and so some people don't want to watch Madoka, some people just want Sailor Moon, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's fine. Yeah. yeah, it. I think weirdly, um, and Mon- Monica's a very like interesting. We've uh, obviously had our fill of talking. Yeah. About <laughs> um, because if we start, we will not stop. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that that you're right. Right. There, there is value in having something that is just turn your brain off and and watch it. Um, I, I would, I would just say, like, you know, if if you do watch it in in the future, like, just just keep keep in mind, right. Like things that say they're not political are often um unintentionally so. <laughs> right. And yeah. And sometimes sometimes when entertainment goes kind of straight shot into our brain, it can uh it can convince us of certain things, which is yeah. So that's that's all that's yeah. all I would say. I've said what I wanted to say about Hiroaka, so let us let us move yeah. on to, to other things we've watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly because we didn't even finish the Hiroaka season, so what what do we? We finished know? the arc, which is we which finished is good. the arc, um, but there's like another arc ahead of us. So I suppose it is time to talk about the much much awaited discussion of um, keep your hands off of Azoken. <laughs> Which is the Masaaki Yuasa show of the season. My god, this dude has been fucking busy. He's put out like two What a busy dude. And this this series. Yeah. He's killing it though, man. Well, he's Good he's also him. taking a, a break. So Good. He <laughs> I think He's he, like, I'll he's, just be productive for a few years and then, you know. <laughs> I think he's going on like a seven year long vacation or something, which is honestly like big mood. I mean he should. Oh, he deserves it for sure. Yeah. I I do think it's really funny that um his his kind of crowning piece for um for the the decade then is is like Azoken and it's just it's just about production. He's like that's that's really funny to me. <laughs> Keep your hands off Azoken is about a three high school girls who want to create an a club to make anime. And so they do that. And it is 
just it's kind of amazing actually yeah we like we touched on a lot of of what we i think wanted to when when we talked about it initially um yes but it is it's kind of like it never really stops being very very practical and realistic about what it's like to work in a in a sort of um limited like time production mm-hmm. and it it was really funny just hearing Renu screaming every time um uh, every time uh Kanamaru was just like uh no <laughs> <laughs> because it's so real <laughs> there there's so much to take away from this anime that I mean, just watching from the the first three episodes, you know what what you're in for for the rest of the anime, which is great. It doesn't really divert too badly or anything like that. It doesn't jump the shark or whatever. It it stays true to what it's trying to portray, which is these three girls trying to make anime in their club, and each of them has very specific roles, and so it's so interesting to, especially me as an animator, to watch them because. They're obviously, you know, they, they're they inexperienced. They're doing things for the first time. And it's so inspiring. And then comes the hard truth of how much experience they're lacking in the industry and how how often they have to, you know, cull things down a bit, <laughs> according to Kanamori's uh, assessments in terms of, you know, one of them will wants to hand draw all this animation. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, like this. this like will take I don't, way I, too I don't long. care if you, if you, if you are averse to using CG, we don't have the time for you to hand draw it. You have to use CG, and then the artist kind of whines about it. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it's it's really really great. It touches on so many different aspects of production, uh, like you said, and um, I think it remains entertaining throughout, and the animation for. Uh, especially the little animes that they make. It's so, so, so good. Oh my god, <laughs> they get to have so much fun with it. Yeah. You can, you yeah. can tell that the animators are having fun, and that's yeah. it's frankly the best part, because it's like, these are just supposed to be like, um, this is like a student project, like, two people plus, like, some some assistants put this together, but, like, you can tell that, you know, Masaki Yuasa was like, alright, kids, go wild! Yeah, and you could tell that, you know, there there are very classic student things that they purposefully put in there, like recycling shots, mm-hmm. you know, some interesting parallax issues and things like that. That's like you as uh, either an experienced animation watcher or animator would point out right away. But as a student, it's all fine <laughs> and it should be there. Those kinds of things should be there because you wouldn't expect them to have ironed all that out yet. Yeah. So right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a very it's very practical. Um, it it is very like I I think what I appreciate most about it is is just how grounded the the series is. Like yes, it it is no doubt about the creative process. Um, mm-hmm. which a lot of people have uh certain misconceptions about you know how it how it works. Oh really. yeah, like it's like oh you know you're just being creative. It's you just like do it or whatever, right? And yeah, and honestly, like. 99% of it is just sit down and do really boring, grueling work. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are just like, ah, oh, writing a novel is easy. Uh, boy, the fuck it's not. <laughs> Let me <laughs> How tell about you, you try about it? that. It's <laughs> very difficult. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm overall very glad because I think it strikes a very good balance between that and, 
the kind of fun that the the kids are having and then also the the kind of like how dynamic the the actual visuals of the show are like it it feels a lot like and and I think I said this when we were initially talking about it but it feels a lot like what happens when you kind of wander in your own imagination um but if mm. it was kind of put to put to a visual and I really I, I don't know I just really enjoyed every every part of it it was very well put together I think it it was was god Masaki Yuasa just knows how to fucking direct an anime huh yeah man my guy knows how to did I tell you I watched his his movie Ride Your Wave oh how was that um I I feel like I mentioned it on on an episode it was it was good okay yeah a very very tightly written um like romance piece very very good actually like. Very huh. simple, very not what people kind of come to expect from Masaki Yuasa after uh, all the other stuff that he did. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. like, you know, you, you make Kaiba and then Devil May Cry Baby yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tatami Galaxy, and you're just like, yeah. this guy can't make normal things. But no, no, he makes a very, very, like, grounded, very well put together um, uh, movie about, like, love and you know, dealing with stuff. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> fucking love Masaki Yuasa. Uh, yeah, I, if, if I could, I would just recommend that everybody in the world watch an anime. Just pick one at random. Actually, the Tommy Galaxy is my favorite one, but that's personal choice. <laughs> I love Azoken. Like, I, I don't I don't know what what really more to say about it that I haven't already said. I feel like we talked about it for an hour uh, <laughs> when, it, when it first came out. It It's very, very straightforward. It is what it says on the tin. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So if you like that, uh, give it a try. Yeah, it's great. Like that, <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Somali in the Forest Spirits. Bruh. Somali in the Forest Spirit. Oh my god. I love the god. tweet that you made when we were watching the finale. <laughs> okay. No joke. I did not expect to be as like emotionally affected. I was like actually like tearing up. I was like, oh, I was too. Oh. <sighs> like it really really knows how to how to develop that family dynamic in a way that is uh legitimately effective which is it's, impressive because sometimes yeah. sometimes that doesn't really land um, oh yeah and the fact did. that you know what's coming will also like kind of blunts the blow like you're like okay i know that you know it's gonna be emotional because you know he's got a limited time span or whatever it's coming up soon and then and then it happened. <laughs> yeah. And then it gets tested, and you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So there, there's a lot I think that is very interesting to me in in Somali, um, because these are these are thoughts that I did not have formed when we were watching it, um, because we only watched like three or four episodes by the time we we talked about it. Right. But now having watched all all of the anime that's currently out right now, um who knows if it'll ever make a season 2 or if that's just the end of the series. I don't actually know cuz I didn't get that far in the manga. So one, I think it's interesting that um the dynamic of and I I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of like there's a lot of anime coming out right now that's adapted off of manga that deals a lot with racial tension and I cannot help but feel that maybe something is happening in Japan. What do you mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, like the thing about the thing about Somali is like 
it, it is a world where humans are nearly extinct. Um, yes. There are very few of them left. Uh, we, we see two human characters in the show and then a couple yeah. and then a village in like a flashback or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to me because uh, the, the sort of conflict that led to that is, is uh, kind of problematic on, on all, on all ends. Right. Not in, not in the sense that I think that they, they did a poor job of, of doing it. Right. You have the humans who distrust anyone who's not human. Sure. You know, like xenophobia, that, that sort of stuff. That's a very real sort of thing to, to be concerned about. And then you have uh, the humans as, as instigators, right? They're the people who said, I see you, people who don't look like us, and I wish to murder you because you scare us and we, we fear for our own safety. And, and then the, the monsters are just like, well, okay, I guess we'll just kill you all and make you into slaves. Which is like, all right, I'm having some thoughts. <laughs> um, Japan has a very interesting kind of relationship with fantasy um, in, in, a, in a way that is uh, I, uh, not identical, but very, very related to the way that um, fantasy in the West has, or the West has a very interesting relationship to fantasy, which is that um, there is a lot of uh, what is called biological essentialism um, in fantasy, in, in mm. Western fantasy, obviously, in um, Japanese fantasy. I mean, Japanese fantasy that comes, that is derived from Western fantasy, mind you, right? Like, this kind of D&D stuff, right? Like, have, saying dwarves have dark vision and proficiency in armor, and they can talk to rocks, right? That, that's biological essentialism, you know? You're, you're mm. essentially saying that, like, there is a biological difference between these these two kinds of peoples and that's mm -hmm. always a little bit troublesome i find because then anytime you attempt to make analogs to um real world discrimination it gets a little bit muddy because mm. if you if you say there is there is biological difference between these two kinds of people then what you're saying is that like you're kind of just feeding into a history of of real life that has historically said there is a relationship between what your race is and your your sort of biological functions and your ability to do certain things right and that's a very problematic kind of history to tap into i think somali is interesting because it acknowledges that prejudice exists and it makes it so that it's not i am doing the colonialism because I, I think you're lesser than us, but I am doing the colonialism as a retributive act. I think aside from everything else, it almost is, it's almost a little bit anxious, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that sentiment because all the scenes with the, the conflict between the humans and the uh, fantastical species, uh, they were all things where I was like, oh no, humans, don't do the human thing. And then they do the human thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, we all knew how this was going to turn out, but I still didn't want it to go that way. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. The, the thing is that the eventual kind of end point that happened was annihilation. Yeah. They don't exist anymore. And yeah. to, to me, there is something weirdly reflective about that. Yeah. 
in relationship to um Japan's history as as a colonial entity, right? Right. Like and and this this kind of exists in a lot of um media unconsciously um in uh in the West, but like when you have something like that, it basically says I am afraid. I am afraid because I am afraid that you will do to us what we did to you, but you will finish the job. Right. And that is that is interesting to me. And <laughs> and I mean beyond that like obviously it's a little bit like iffy that it's like okay, you did genocide but you were quote unquote justified even though, you know, the narrative does not treat it as as such, right? But it it does say like well this is why why they did it. But I think that in that way that there's kind of something interesting about the way that narratives are created um in regards to how they're used to fuel prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there is something to be said about um, the fact that all of the, uh, the God, what, what are they called? They're, like, the monster people. Like, they have, I don't even know if they have a proper, like, kind of name or classification. But, like, the monster people. I don't remember people, that they did. Right? They, they all are, like, humans, delicious. And, <laughs> yeah. And that to me is like I don't I don't know if the attention there was for that to be a, a biological thing if humans were just predisposed to be prey, right? Um, right. Because one, humans are are gross. They don't taste very good. They're full of all kinds of gross, new, not very tasty things. Um, that's uh-huh. when, that's why that's why when humans are eaten by animals, they don't really get eaten. <laughs> they get killed, and then they just leave the corpse. Like this sucks. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's more of a, like, a curated taste thing. Like, people, like, these monster folks were raised to believe that, and so they believe it. Oh, they were raised to believe that people are right. bad, so they believe that like, people are bad. Just right, as right, people right. were raised to believe that anyone that doesn't look like a human being is bad, and that, therefore, right. they're, you know, worth worth. That's killing. interesting. I wonder if that is the case in the series. I mean, I regardless of if it's intentional or not, it is it is a way that you can you can read that. And yeah, yeah. There, I do think that one of the most fascinating things, and one of the reasons I I believe that that is a legitimate reading, um, is because of the the witches, right? The the person who was like, I I believe, or um, I wrote this this book about about this village, and it led monster people to the village where they killed and slaughtered the entire village, and yeah. At the same time, when we when we get the story, when we get the backstory, it's it's of a person, uh, or, or it's of a golem living amongst people, and and uh, the two central characters of of the show are a human and a golem, and then they forge relationships with uh, two oni, you know, two people who mm-hmm. are are humanoid. But like you see the ways in which the the prejudice is not. Is not a uh, an essential feature, but a a learned sort of uh, a learned behavior, um, right? Because they have that song about like uh, the monsters like getting eaten or whatever, right? Like the like yeah the, the mm-hmm. like Rosa song that the little anteater child sings, right? Yeah, yeah, and like that those kids have have a relationship together, they're friends. Um, but the fact that that child knows that song without realizing what it's really about, right? And Obviously, children's songs are are relatively dark. <laughs> like that's yeah, we- weirdly dark. Yeah, that that's how I would uh, probably classify them. Yeah, like 
you know, it, prejudice is a, is a learned behavior. And I think that Somali, weirdly enough, is, is better about saying that than a lot of, of pieces that say it outright, which is very interesting. Because like, I, I think on an individual level, you, always, you almost always see that, that individuals um, forming bonds with each other will, will overcome that prejudice. But as a, as a system, as, as a whole, it still exists. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that's best. Yeah, it's not even really something that you would expect out of adorable found family fantasy. Oh, oh yeah, uh, show. It, it's, right? gra- you, you it's great. It's great fantasy thinking, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it, you're you're going like this is a cute girl dressed as a minotaur being guided around by a golem. And you think, oh, she's gonna teach him how to feel feelings, and she does. But also, the fact that they are battling all sorts of different kinds of prejudices is so interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also, you know, I, I will say this about, and I, I really enjoy the, the found family dynamic of, of the, of the series. And yeah, I think one of the best things to me is that there is a very like clear, because, um, because the golem is learning how to be a parent. Um, we mm-hmm. kind of get what, what it means to be a parent and and what that what that kind of looks like and kind of the things that that happen when you're when you're a parent like the concerns that you have yeah. right it's like well yeah. what if your what if your kid gets hurt what if your kid cannot fend for themselves without you right like right. a lot of these are are real concerns that parents have and i think that one of the most kind of poignant and prescient ones is this this uh the the two moments where like you know the one obviously where like i will not be there for my child forever um, I have to make sure that yeah. you know they are taken care of. I have to make sure that they're happy. If if I go before my parent or if I go before my um child is is ready, like what what happens, right? Yeah. And two, which is that like, what what are you willing to do as a parent for your child? Like, are mm-hmm. you willing to become something unrecognizable? Um, right. Are you willing to become a monster to protect your children? And I think that's a very very interesting thing that that gets like briefly, you know explored in in the later couple episodes yeah and it's a very interesting assessment from a uh i guess in this case surrogate parents point of view of how dangerous is the world for my child and how much oh for sure you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so it it reminds me of a conversation i had with um a friend of mine who uh is raising a daughter and he is so careful about what influences she has in her life because she's a girl and therefore that automatically inclines her to all sorts of different kinds of prejudices that he never had to face growing up Uh and so his kind of like very careful stepping stone like (laughs) attitude towards it is is so interesting and i think very reminiscent of this series too where you just don't know what will happen therefore you have to take everything carefully and seriously um, and also be super careful of who your child is around. And that at the same time, you have to give your child enough freedom to kind of explore and make their own decisions, too, without, you know, being a helicopter parent. Yeah. Uh, because I, that I, obviously comes with its own I kind of Yeah, I kind of didn't, didn't consider that. But, like, when you combine those two things, it, it becomes, yeah. like, a narrative of somebody who does not understand how to raise their child, does not understand the things that their child needs, but at yeah. the same time is trying to protect this child from a world that is out to hurt them. Um, yeah. 
like a world that is stacked against them and a world that yeah. is prejudiced against them, a world that will hurt them. Like how, right. how do you deal with that? I think that's really and it's, cool. It's, yeah. It's from a point of view of, of the fact that the world isn't out to hurt the golem. Like they respect the golem enough to not heck with him. Uh, the the girl on the other hand, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they think humans are tasty. So <laughs> yeah, they wanna they wanna do little snackles. Yeah, so he has absolutely no idea how how the world would be viewed from her eyes, and that in itself is a huge lesson for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it ended up being a really awesome watch for us, at least. We, we, yeah, we had very, very many good. emotions. <laughs> oh my god, I was like, I was like, oh, oh, oh <laughs> you can't leave her. Oh, you gotta stay. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> I was like surprised. Uh, I was surprisingly emotional about it. Yeah, the very yeah, very surprising. Yeah, I, it has. It it still has like the animation quality. I'd say is isn't great in terms of the character animation. Still, even at the end, uh, but the backgrounds remain beautiful oh, yeah. <laughs> regardless. <laughs> so visually, I think it remains fairly consistent there are a couple of parts where you're like okay they didn't have as much budget for this episode that's understandable right they're just like but, okay we ran out of time on this, yeah but that's all right um, yeah but otherwise i think the writing is is there and mm-hmm. i think they did a good job with it all right speaking of surprising yeah. and emotional let's talk about toilet bound hanakakun <laughs> ah. bruh this is such a series what? where face value what does f- not cut it what the fuck <laughs> If you go back and listen to to our episode, I'm sure I'm almost certain we were just like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be like pretty funny. Oh, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. There's so much oh my going God. on in this show that you just would would not call based on on how it looks, on how the first few episodes <laughs> present themselves, and I think it's all the better for it. <laughs> I I I'm legitimately surprised at how much yeah. I, I ended up enjoying this show. Yeah, um, because right. it was it wasn't even in our like sort of top picks. We just kind of decided to pick it up. Um, we're like, okay, yeah, we'll and just we watch just kind of decided episodes. to keep watching it. <laughs> and oh man, it uh, sure delivered, huh? <laughs> okay. And then it became our most anticipated show. <laughs> so, so like it. Okay. I there are so many like th- weird intricacies about this show. Okay, so first of all, yeah, they somehow made a show where yeah. I'm gonna say like seventy percent of the characters are ghosts, and yeah. then they they pull this neat hat trick where like halfway through the se- halfway through the season they're like, oh by the way, you know how everyone's like ghosts and stuff? What if we made death still matter? And you're like, what? Huh? Wait, what do you mean? Not, that's not allowed. <laughs> and they're like, what if? And then, and then you watch a couple more episodes. Like, what if there was a fate worse than death? And you're like, what? What? That's what not allowed. <laughs> they're already ghosts. No, leave them alone. Leave my children alone. And it deals with so many like cliches, but in an interesting way that you don't really think about it. Like the whole like seven wonders of the school. Like that's yeah, a, that's yeah, yeah. such a cliche. But then when the show gets into it, you're like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, there's yeah, so yeah. much more going on with each of with with each of the wonders, and you're like, okay, but it doesn't even become like wonder of the week kind of show because it it so quickly moves on with other things going on in the plot. So it has such like a nice layered narrative. It, and I'm like, okay, but what's going on with this? But what about this? <laughs> I I definitely agree. Is I yeah. thought it would be very much like a mystery of the week type show. Right. Yeah. But it it's not. It's it's really yeah. a lot m- closer to yeah. an arc based show. Even though it, yes, it is. its arcs are quite short um yeah. overall. But it really yeah. feels more like a compounding narrative than it does than it does yeah. like an episodic um kind of yeah. kind of thing. And like this is another show that like was like kind of struck me in the like part of my brain that likes to to read thematics, which is like not it's not every show that does that, mind you. Like it's I feel like it's been a little while since like I I had one I had like a season that hit me as much as like one two three punch. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. let me let me breathe, please. I beg of you. <laughs> um, but I have some thoughts about this show because there there is a lot that is very interesting to me. Like obviously the the like okay. They're ghosts, but suddenly, like mortality is is a thing that exists again. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, it deals with a lot of very very heavy topics. Some of them very briefly, and I think better for it. Right? There is a lot of yes. There's a lot of like really really dark stuff in this show that is that is implied. Um, yeah. Like there are implications that um uh Hanako kun the the ghost was um the subject of like physical abuse well okay definitely definitely implied like explicitly implied the physical abuse but there's kind of like implications of like sexual abuse as well in regards to uh in regards to his brother like there's something about that relationship that's like incredibly unsavory yeah and then he ends up murdering him is like kind of kind of the twist right it's like yeah yes we're both ghosts but we we like it's like murder suicide abuse trauma all of these kinds of things are like kind of baked into the narrative but in a way that's not like really so explicit right a lot of this stuff is is yeah. very implied in in a way that still it, it's not like pulling its punches it's just saying we're dealing with these things with the adequate amount of respect that they deserve it's so interesting because again you look at this series and you think it's almost like a throwaway like oh it has a quirky art style i won't take it too seriously because it's like very comedic whatever supernatural kind of deal but the way that it handles certain narratives is so masterful that it kind of takes you aback yeah 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 um so there is there's one of the the kind of central things about the show um in the la- the latter half of it is this dichotomy between the twins um which uh which are i mean the, the hanako twins like it's it's yeah like i think Tsukasa it's and amane, amane yeah. and uh, is it sukasa yeah okay yeah amane and sukasa like one of them is uh a a person who um essentially like okay so hanako kun which is you know amane serves the living in in a sense like that's kind of his yes. stated goal is like he he will protect the living from uh at, like you know spirits and then yeah tsukasa serves the needs of spirits so there's kind yeah. of this dichotomy that's that's taking place between um somebody who is um saying i am protecting people who are alive right now and somebody who is saying i am serving i am serving those i mean 
albeit in a in a twisted way, but like I am I am serving those that essentially don't have a voice because they're because they're dead, right? And right. there is there is something very there is a, a a thematic reading that is that is kind of baking in my brain right now um, about generational trauma and the way that we deal with that, which is one one is to forget and one is to uh, aggressively kind of remember. Like, or I guess it would be better to say like when you're dealing with ghosts, you are you are dealing with an entity that is intimately tied to a past right yeah you know and the living are intimately tied to to the present so the fact that amane is is basically like i'm going to protect those who are still alive is to say i will not let the past ruin the future for these people um whereas sukasa says those of us in the past you know we have been wrong and we will mm-hmm. we will make things right for ourselves at the cost mm-hmm. of those who are still alive. And to me, mm-hmm. that reads a lot like uh, a generational thing, right? Yeah, like, there's this mm-hmm. tension in in at least the United States between boomer boomers, <laughs> right? <laughs> there is a narrative. Um, of attention between between generations, right? Of people yes. who are like, I am serving my needs, right? I will, right. I will right. always go for my own self interest. I will get what is owed to me. Everyone else can can kind of get fucked, really, right? Like, let's not <laughs> let's not mince words here. That's kind of what's happening. Like yeah. when people say, "Well, I had to pay off my student debt by myself, so where's my reparations? Why do you all get free student?" you know uh, debt free like i that's not fair you shouldn't get that right that's that's sukasa sukasa's a fucking boomer right oh my god here we go <laughs> and and amana is is somebody who says like okay this sucks okay boomer <laughs> can we maybe not make that be the case right and there there's a whole right, thing yeah. about like controlling narratives too in in the show where like yeah. The ghosts can only behave in a way that is um, conducive with the rumors that are being spread. The people who spreading the rumors that are um, making these ghosts go out of control are doing it yeah. for their own sort of nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be that person. That's just oh, like everything is politics all the time. <laughs> here we go. But can you think of? Just as a thought exercise, you know, not not connected to reality <laughs> whatsoever. Can you think of a demographic of people that is manipulated by a um, sort of shadowy cabal of very powerful people uh, have their narratives twisted to serve uh, their own ends? I'll wait. Who could you be referring to? So anyway... So that's kind of that's kind of my central thought about about Hannah Cookman. Uh-huh. I think that there's a very interesting reading about um, one narratives uh, the the uh-huh. way that narratives um, work, how a narrative right. becomes reality, right? Because mm-hmm. that that's what's happening um, in in our world right now. Telecommunications are destroying us all, and <laughs> and two like you know um, generation. Generational trauma, vengeance, retribution, justice, all those kinds of things that are kind of like rolled up into this like, well, what what does it mean for the people who are who are still alive, who still have futures? Ghosts don't have yeah. futures. That is a thing that is explicitly stated in the show. Yeah. So. Um 
and it's wrapped up in in a, an adorable kind of romantic comedy about a girl with daikon legs. So yeah, got them daikon. Take ankles. it as you will. <laughs> Anako-kun was actually like definitely, definitely very, very good, and I I feel yeah. like I didn't. I mean, mostly I saw people talking about Azoken. Um, like nine nine out of ten people I saw talking about Azoken. Um, and then like yeah. odd, the odd person who was just like Ah Hiroaka. But honestly, I think Hanukkah <laughs> was, like, probably the sleeper hit of the season. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very good. I think I, it was very much, like, people... Open. Right, people looked at it, they saw the trailer, maybe, and they were like, not my jam. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's so much more jam in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of jam in there. There's a lot of jam. <laughs> Packed to the gills with jam. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, well, let's quickly go through all the other stuff then, um, because yeah. otherwise we'll be here for fucking ever, and I'll have to do even yeah. more work. All right, let's talk about Hey at Camp. It's cute. It's short form. Shoot, cute. Cor- shoot. Shoot. <laughs> it's shoot. short. It's cute. It's shoot. <laughs> short and cute. Shoot. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. Um. The has uh. Three of the characters, well, all, I mean, I guess, I guess most they of the characters are from the original series, but it, it mainly features three of them, the ones that are in the camping club, and they kind of go around and do little mini camp stuff, and it's yeah. adorable. It's relaxing as usual, so, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I will say, I think that it, it is hampered somewhat by the, by the short form, um, as yeah. much as I like having little tidbits of, of cute things in my day. Um I find that the the slow kind of deliberate pace uh, of mm-hmm. Yuru Camp is very relaxing, and yes. I don't necessarily get that with 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 the um with Heya Camp. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. But hey, season two was announced. Um, it's coming out sometime in the <gasps> future if we of don't Yuru all Camp? die. The the the, the full size episodes and everything. Yeah, season two. Oh my god! Yes. I think it's announced for sometime either later this year or next year sometime. Oh, I'm so happy. I can't wait. Yeah, very, very exciting. Um, That'll be very fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, Hey Camp is like a, it's just a good filler, you know? Like, yeah. it's just like a little bridge between the two series, and um, that's all it really needed to be. Um, I enjoyed seeing these characters. The art style's still, like, heart-meltingly cute. They're <laughs> so cute. They're adorable. Cute. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about it invaded. Well, you, let's talk about you. You talk about it invaded. I, I'll talk about it because I finished it, bro. I'm okay, so, so proud of you. We left off on the episode right before we learn about how old that girl is. <laughs> what? The one with the flower barrette and the little how elementary old school is she, pack, backpack. All right, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm not ready, but tell me anyway. She. This little girl with a pink flower barrette, big old moe animu eyes, elementary school girl backpack, wears a pencil skirt suit, is 24 years old. <laughs> no! What? Oh my god. I don't, and no one in the show addresses the fact that this, that she looks like a child. <laughs> what? No way. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh. Um and at some point she gets kissed by this dude and she's like all hot and bothered about it and it's like, "Okay, are you 24 or are you like 12? I need <laughs> I need 
<laughs> I need some reference point Jesus. here. I'm getting a lot of mixed signals. Otherwise, they treat her like a complete professional. It's like, I mean, that's great and all. Like, I'm glad you are a female cop getting, uh, you know, being treated, taken seriously, etc. But you look five. <laughs> and no one, no one addresses this. They pretend like it doesn't exist. So, uh, uh, so the way that this show develops, um, is it remains interesting until the end because they keep layering on different mysteries and I guess serial killers and they start coming towards this uh, conclusion like all of these serial killers are somehow linked together and the conclusion is that they're being created by John Walker, the that mysterious entity that you see in the first episode where okay. they're like, oh my gosh, he's the big bad. So, um... Uh, you find out how he's so intricately tied to the main guy's backstory, um, and you also find that female, uh, not little girl cop, is she kind of becomes a detective in her own. Like she, she kind of uh, advances up enough through the cases that she's solving that they allow her to dive into the. Uh, the machine as well and go into people's like you know uh wells or whatever um but the whole time there's this really interesting dissonance between how advanced the technology is for diving into people's essentially consciousnesses consciences mm -hmm. <laughs> or wells as they call them in the show um versus like the fact that the rest of the world looks very ordinary like it looks very like today, uh, it doesn't look as as futuristic mm. as it does in the uh, in the high tech room where all this stuff is happening. Um, and you find out that it's a very secret technology developed by this one, you know, kind of crazy looking scientist dude. And you're like, oh boy. And then you find out that uh, uh, Kairu, the girl that's always murdered in every scenario, is very intricately linked to this technology and then in the end it somehow goes like super ava <laughs> okay where uh the world is going to end <laughs> what wait so, sorry <laughs> um i have some concerns because <laughs> you find out that the center point of all of this technology is Kairu, except um, her actual name is Kiki. And Kiki is this girl who has very strange dreams about serial killers visiting her and killing her. <laughs> and okay. every single dream that she has. And they, it gets to a point where it's a serial killer of... For each day of the week, kind of thing. Like they take turns, essentially. And so, main detective guy, when he meets Kiki, he's like, Why the frick is this happening? But he finds out that it's orchestrated by John Walker. And so, while he's digging more and more into Kiki's past and how she's related to John Walker, uh, he finds out that the technology for diving into wells that they have in the present day is due to um, experimentation that they did in the past on Kiki. And basically using her ability 
to pull serial killers into her dreams and having them act out their serial killer wishes on her um, is like that is able to connect to other people's like unconscious minds or whatever and they're and basically able to pull them into like her uh i don't know her connection like she's 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 able to expand her connection and able to share her experiences with them so if she even thinks about like these these things that are happening to her like when she's getting murdered the person next to her will also experience that same sensation so she's able to pull them in that way so um (laughs) okay so it gets to basically end of the world scenario because her powers are getting out of control and uh she gets like basically awakened from this whole machine you know thing um and she starts walking around and they're like oh no if she keeps walking around the world's gonna end because her powers are just gonna keep expanding and so they have to like dive into the well and freaking save her like inception style where they go well within a well within a well (laughs) okay and then eventually they face off with john walker and it <laughs> and it becomes very it's a very typical twist of like oh it turns out it's the police chief ha 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 uh and <laughs> and they even i say it's ava because you get this very classic ava shot of the ground it is red things are melting into red water the okay. sky it is the evening sky uh-huh. <laughs> and that kind of very symbolic like even devil man crybaby did it and you know that it's very sp- explicit reference or whatever that's fine but i was like oh my god here we go <laughs> everyone's okay. gonna melt into red water <laughs> huh. I- um hmm. <laughs> uh but then uh they managed to figure out how to defeat john walker and they do so and then things are good they convince kiki to go back into the machine and basically tell her like we don't know a solution to your whole situation yet but we plan on not giving up surely there will come a day when someone can help you (laughs) and then they put her back in the machine (laughs) and then it ends with not little girl detective and main detective guy, they dive into the wells together as co-genius detectives. Uh, okay. <laughs> and that's it. I, uh, I, uh, okay. I summarized it for you so you don't have to watch the rest of it. <laughs> okay. Um, I have some thoughts. Okay. So, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, a a let's say a piece of media like a book or a graphic novel or a, an anime or a, a television show does not need to explain why something is happening as as much as as that because sometimes when you dive into it that deeply everything begins to not make any sense there there is <laughs> What? Uh, 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 I don't like that. I I will say for you know a vote for watching it is the fact that it does remain entertaining throughout. <laughs> like, I, because you just don't expect like the fact that it'll go with Ava. <laughs> I don't I don't doubt that it would be entertaining. 
but there's like something to me that's a little bit like it's I don't it's, know. Yeah, no, it I don't it think that's really what I messy. personally. <laughs> it's it's very messy and I I'm not very fond of the girl of the the girl character um in the sense of she's very purposefully kind of not relatable at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why they went that way, but I it made my investment in her like very minimal and the fact that she becomes such a huge part of the plot later on. I mean, she is kind of in the beginning, but even more so later on. I was just like, man, I got I have to see more of her. <laughs> like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. Um it becomes a little bit less of a mystery and more of like suspense actiony towards the end. Like there is there are still mysteries that they have to solve with every well that they enter. Uh but they don't feel they they feel pretty like eh in comparison to the uh all the crazy events surrounding the characters. So it does get messy kind of towards very, the end. Very, very weird, but yeah. fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, um, but it does have some good moments. Like, I did get emotional over... You learn about main guy's uh, family, what happens to them, and you kind of get a very brief, like, fly-through of, like, how his relationship built with his family over the years before they met their untimely end. That got me emotional. I was surprised. Okay. Um, See... So what, that they handled that well. What you've described <laughs> to me is somebody yeah. took a Haruki Murakami novel and then like <laughs> put it in a blender and then like bl- blended it into a fine powder, right? Yeah. And then they put two tablespoons of that into a bowl and then two tablespoons yeah. of sugar and then two tablespoons yeah. of hot water and they whipped it up into a cream and they piped that over milk. Like <laughs> That's that's what you're just that's what you're describing to me. It's like there's no reasonable reason anybody should have done this, but I guess we might as well enjoy it while it exists. Yeah, I yeah. You know what? I'll agree with you. <laughs> I fair um, enough. Yeah, I I'll say you know, maybe I again we didn't finish Babylon, but I have a distinct feeling that this is more satisfying to watch than Babylon. <laughs> I think you might be right. You know, at least at least I I you know what? You're right because Babylon would never dare to be like, <laughs> "All right, now it's the end of the world." Now, someone with psychic powers is going to destroy the universe and melt mm. everybody into goo. I know Babylon is too cowardly to do that. <laughs> Thanks, cube guy. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I spent a while on that. Um, uh, runway de Warate. Um, our, our girl Cheru in the Discord recommended it. Uh, to me, because she was like, "You didn't even w- really address it in the trailer." Watch, and I'm like, I, "I'm sorry." I, I. <laughs> so actually, I I've heard good things about this, and yeah, I I'm surprised it kind of like flew under our radar. You're completely yeah. right. We didn't even I don't think addressed it in the trailer. I think if we watched a trailer for it, we would have ended up watching it. Yeah. Uh, it's 
I think part of it is also because maybe the promotion doesn't do it very like very good service, but on on face value it looks like pretty girl wants to become model. Ta da <laughs> And and you think it's just a show about her becoming a model. Um but it's actually a show about her and a guy who wants to become a fashion designer. Oh, oh I know. I remember I remember this. Yeah. I remember yeah. why we did we didn't watch it. It was because the yeah. preview was really bad. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. I was trying to remember because I couldn't remember exactly the trailer that we watched. Um. So I don't think that <laughs> the trailer did very well in terms of promoting it. But nope. Um. Like when you're initially watching the first episode, you're like, oh, she wants to be a model. She's she she's beautiful. She's got long blonde hair. She's got pale skin. Yada yada yada. She has a perfect model walk. But then. The twist is that she is my height. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is yeah. five foot two, and so immediately that sets up all sorts of problems for her. They're they they're basically they shut her out of the model industry, and they're like, you can't you. It doesn't matter how much talent or skill that you have, or how pretty that you are, how well you can walk, you will never have the height that you need to be able to model. So she becomes dismayed by this, but she's determined not to give up. And then on the flip side, you meet this dude who, uh, he wants to be a fashion designer, but his family is very, very poor. Um, they have a sickly mom, they have, he has three younger sisters to take care of, like, things are just tight budget-wise around the house. And, uh, but the thing is, is that his family is super encouraging towards him because he's always making clothes for them, and he's very passionate about designing clothes. And it's a very, very wholesome family dynamic. <laughs> nice. So you have, on one side, you know, you, you've got, you know, passionate, determined model who keeps getting told no. And then on the other side, you've got dude who's, like, coming up from nothing, but he has his wonderful family. And they meet, and then they instantly form this interesting, like, it's a friendship, but also kind of like a professional bond where they encourage each other professionally but they also kind of compete in in a, in a weird sense of like oh i'm gonna go do this thing what about you huh what are you doing <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of kind of deal um and it's really refreshing to watch because they do address the fact that oh she's a pretty girl he's a boy who's never you know as far as you know has dated anyone and uh but they get over it like like almost immediately because she kind of confronts him right away and saying like you're gonna see naked models during shows because they have to change like like between sets and 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 it just it it's just like that right and you have to get over that because we're all professionals here and that's it and then and he gets over it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's really cool so um i wish that the animation uh had more budget so that they could teach spend more time teaching certain things like uh how he goes into details about certain stitches when he's making clothing or how she goes into detail about certain types of walks that she has to do during certain shows like that kind of stuff i feel like the animation kind of falters a bit in terms of really showing the the nice nuances for that but otherwise it's a really it's it's a nice watch i really liked it a lot all the way through nice (laughs) Uh, next, I finished Diamond No Ace Act 2. It was 52 episodes. 
Uh, okay. Um, so I think it's done. I don't know if they're making any more of the anime, but uh, the manga goes on. Um, and either way, when I was done, I was like, "What do I do?" Because I just finished this long series, and um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's a sports baseball show like explicitly that there's no family drama there's no none of that other bullcrap that you get there's none of that like someone's gonna stab someone in like in freaking <laughs> soft tennis voice <laughs> jesus christ it's i just forgot about, about baseball. that yeah so some people love that i'm not always a fan of that and i didn't want it in this anime and i thankfully did not get it in this anime <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that. <laughs> uh, we wrote, uh, wrote down Ishizoku reviewers to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. So you have a friend that watched this. All of it, yes. Okay. I watched, I think, six episodes of it. Okay. Do you want to start, and then I'll add in whatever um, I think he said that could contribute? Sure. Okay. So... I watched a couple episodes of this, and mostly, I, I'm not going to lie, most of it was just morbid curiosity, because um, <laughs> I wanted to go watch the show that got pulled from television. Like, one, People I- somehow didn't think that it'd be porn. I mean, I just, I w the line is becoming so <laughs> increasingly thin nowadays, I swear to God. <laughs> They're really just out here having sex. So, I, I will say- this about uh about Ishizaku reviewers um one which is that it is obviously um there is a very problematic element about uh, the fact that it's literally just like a bunch of dudes being like okay yo I had to totally hit sex bro and this is how it mm -hmm. was right there's kind <laughs> of like a, a weird gross like broy element to it um yeah. two there is kind of a weirdly pro sex work aspect to it which is fascinating to me yeah mm -hmm. three it's and i hate to admit this but like it's not bad fantasy like <laughs> i mentioned this to you and i'm kind yeah. of upset about it and i might have even said it on the podcast but i'm a little <laughs> bit upset that the that this show puts more care into how it considers its its fantasy premise then yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say a solid ninety percent of fantasy anime, especially <laughs> isekai anime. I, I I don't know why. Yeah, but like it it actually puts some thought into what it means to live in a fantasy world, and it's like that that yeah. <sighs> <laughs> like you didn't expect like, really? this out of your porn, did you? <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's the general sentiment that uh, my friend had, too. He said that there is an interesting amount of world-building in this show that you would not expect. You wouldn't and, expect it. <laughs> uh, they, they consider certain things about these different species, these different fantasy species that you, again, you wouldn't expect out of a show that's just about boinking some boinks. And so, like, they, they talk about certain preferences that different species would have that kind of makes sense in accordance to how they are. Like, uh, a cyclops that uh, enjoys eye contact <laughs> during God, yeah, the whole activities. cyclops thing. 
<laughs> where they have different beauty standards, and so they're like, all right, this is our like highest, like higher highest quality, like um, our like best seller. But it's just because she's got the biggest eyeball. Right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, yeah, you know what? That does make sense, actually. <laughs> you're right. And so there's all sorts of that in the show, according to him. Again, I didn't watch any of this, but... <laughs> okay, I will, I will sum it up for you very succinctly. Yeah. It's like Dungeon Meshi, but for prostitution. <laughs> Instead of eating. That, that's literally it. It it's yeah. It's weirdly kind of like it's like weirdly kind of fun to watch. Like I hate yeah. I hate to say that, but like <laughs> they're just having so much fun with it, and like it's kind of gross. Like really, if if you think about it too hard, yeah. Um, but like the kind of the dynamic between the main characters is like pretty good. Um, the... He he did say that it was very sex positive. It's very nice, sex positive, and... which is not what I expected yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Um, but like it's not very discriminatory towards different sexualities, right? Which is also again nice. It's sex positive and it's it's sex work positive. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, I I suppose, <laughs> in all fairness, that's a kind of thing that Japan as a as a culture has. I'm not going to say more comfort with, but more experience with, um, mm. kind of on an explicit level. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it kind of, like, I don't know, the premise of it kind of still squicks me out a little bit. Like, I'm a little bit like, sure, mm, I don't feel so great about this. But, it, like, in its execution, it's, like, surprisingly not bad in, in a weird way. Obviously, I I felt no compulsion really to keep watching it after like I watched enough episodes to get a taste for it. But sure, um, <laughs> yeah, like not necessarily my cup of tea, but like surprisingly good for for what it is. And right, yeah, like I legitimately wasn't expecting that. And I think it's that's so interesting though. <laughs> I, that a show like this would come out. I was gonna just... say I. I almost don't disdain the fact that it exists. Like, oh no, I don't some, either. There's just something about it. <laughs> I think if it is promoting good, like healthy mindsets towards, you know, treating sex workers well, first of all, not demeaning them. Um, yeah. And second of all, being more tolerant and accepting towards people who prefer things that are different from you in regards to sex. That's, that's yeah, that's all well and good. Like that's, that's that's perfectly fine with me. That that's kind of where I'm I'm ultimately ending up at, which is that even yeah. though they're like giving ratings of like you know what it is, it's really just a, a a sort of numerical representation of their personal subjective experiences. Um, of yeah. which it changes depending on on their own like kind of physiology, right? Like if if you're um you know uh a, like if you're a dwarf or whatever, right? Like. Mm. You're gonna have certain needs that, like, <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, personally, like, I I think you'll know pretty immediately if if you're gonna be into this. Like, uh, like okay. on, honestly, like if you sure. watch an episode of it, you will get yeah completely the understanding for it. Uh, twelve minutes. <laughs> there we go. Just don't watch it with anybody around you unless you're into that kind of thing. 
uh, you know, some people. Some do some these people. Things. people sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. My my friend did say that if you watch it to the end, there is a long con gag, like like a very like uh-huh. they, like they play the long game with this gag, but it comes to fruition so well at the end oh. that it just blows your mind. Oh no! <laughs> now I have to watch it. <laughs> Already, I don't know if it's like a thing that you could just. That, I think by now, I I imagine since you watched half of it that the gag has already been set up. So I think if you maybe if you skip to the end, then it would be fine. Oh, you but, cursed me! I gotta watch it. I know I cursed Fuck. you. Now I have to make you <laughs> watch the you rest. You can't of dangle it. a mystery in front of me. My curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> I had it. Uh, he spoiled it for me, and so I did think that it was great. But like, <laughs> I uh, did, I also did not. Again, I did not watch any of this show. I've only seen it like around it because of the fact sigh. that you know. I'll get back to you. <laughs> really? <laughs> You're gonna watch the rest of it? Yeah, I love oh. long con gags. Really? Uh, that's true. I love that's them true. so much. All right. Well, you have fun with that. <laughs> uh, you've, 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 you've cursed me. I mean, you've while you're sitting the there pondering your writings and having this playing. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I- Ishizaka reviewers. Weird, yeah. weird, weird, weird show for many reasons, but not yeah. bad. Weirdly. <laughs> okay, did you want to talk about Haikyuu? Uh, just to mention that if you're waiting for us to talk about Haikyuu, um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> I haven't seen any of it, so it'll be a while, but stay tuned. <laughs> That's, that is, uh, and, and I will say this because we're now transitioning into um, not talking about the, the anime, but I was thinking about, um, like, longer sort of um, turnaround kind of uh, episodes, because we, we do a lot of stuff that accommodates our schedule, right? Um, because yeah. even with, you know, two weeks between episodes, like, realistically, we still don't necessarily have enough time to tackle something kind of big, like say Ace Attorney, or oh yeah, or like, like if Neo I, Automata. for example, right? If if you wanted me to play all the Ace Attorney games, or I wanted you to watch all of Hunter Hunter, that would just never happen because our turnaround is so short that you know someone who doesn't have a million things to do could probably very easily do these things in two weeks, but for us, it's very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, so um yeah. that that kind of thing does does interest me. I I have always been more interested in in kind of like um longer turnaround, longer form content, but eh, no. So it, so it goes. Um that that might be for yeah. the future when I'm not drowning. Um which is what yeah. a, a thing that I like to say often even though every time I'm not, I'm like, well, I guess I have free time. I guess I'll take on another project. I mean, <sighs> it's it's worth uh, bringing up to our listeners and seeing how you guys might feel about it. If you guys have any particular opinions about if we were to move to a three-week schedule in order to be able to accommodate different kinds of content in addition to what we already do, 
um true enough would true that enough. would that be gucci with you would that be gucci well yeah because i was thinking like, like the, the if schedule? if we had our schedule be like monthly except um we did seasonal on time essentially so okay, like so... seasonals would be like off of the schedule in a sense oh okay right yeah hmm. i mean just just a thought i mean that is a that is a thought yeah it would wreck havoc on us if we decided to do both and say we're bi-weekly for things that are short and monthly for things that are long but that would just be chaos no that would yeah that would not so hold up <laughs> I, i'm gonna go ahead and say put that one on hold but yeah i mean you know if you have so it would be sure like to... monthly except for seasonal yeah which would just come uh whenever the the seasons came and went so like it would be like okay january is uh is two episodes and then right. february is one and then march is one and then april yeah. is two or whatever uh yeah. it would actually be re- that might actually be very strange though now that I'm thinking about it, because you would have I mean, three episodes in one month, and then monthly episodes after that. Oh, I see what you mean, because we'd have the finale, you'd have the and finale then our monthly the... episode, and then the start of the new season. Well, we'll think about it. Yeah, well, we'll that's under it. consideration. You guys can also, um, yeah, let us know what you think as well. Definitely, um, definitely let us know. Yeah. Because uh, that, that is something we're interested in, and we would love to know if you are also interested in, in that kind of stuff. Cause, and I'm mostly thinking about this because Haikyuu is really long. I've been trying since last year to get Soup to watch Haikyuu, so believe me, <laughs> we're we're working on it. Um, but yeah, it is very long, and it's not something that's feasible within a two week turnaround. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one one reason to bring up the, the whole yep, yep. monthly um, turnaround versus the two week. All right. Well, uh, I believe. I believe that's uh that that's it then. Um uh what are you uh what are you up to? Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me um on Twitch, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Swandron. You can find me on Instagram at Swan.dron. I just bought Persona 5 Royal. Oh nice. Let me know how it is. Am, yeah, I <laughs> I really, really, really want to try streaming it. The problem is, again, my capture card is not working, and it's with a Japanese... It's from a Japanese manufacturer, so it takes a long time for correspondence to work between us. (laughs) It's basically like one email per day during working days. (laughs) Because we have completely different time zones. So, uh, yeah, I am hoping that I can start playing that hopefully this week. Uh, and I also do want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. I don't know how I'll juggle the two. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten Seven Remake yet, but yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't have to play Animal Crossing because I don't own a Switch, so that's not a problem for me. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I will be able to start streaming that on my Twitch, maybe, sometime. Alright, alright. Yeah, what about you? Uh, you can find me all the places at Literal Soup. I'm a little quiet on the internet right now, uh, just because I'm trying to get some work done, try to be productive, uh, try to weather out this this terrible pandemic that's affecting our entire globe. Um, all those mm-hmm. all those kind of fun things that that one does. Um, I'm you know staying in, 
being safe, uh, socially isolating myself, doing some cooking, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, I mean, there's, there's nothing more to that, I suppose. The patrons we are thanking this week are Frostfall, Cheru, Sean, uh, Gwen, Claire, Figure Four, and Magpie Miratus. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us in these, these dire times. We, we really, really, really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. We, I, I think at this point we just we couldn't make the podcast without the people who support us. Because, um, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. Sometimes I wonder why I do this to myself. But I love the podcast. Um, yeah, I do too. So, thank you for listening. And thank you for sticking with us. Uh, even though I know the schedule has been very, 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 very complicated uh, for <laughs> both the audio and video versions of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it, I promise. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can get back to, to pretty normally scheduled uh, episodes. <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, we'll kind of we'll see where we go from there, you know? Hope that uh, hope that the rest of this year turns out to be a little better, huh? Like, <laughs> you, you know, like just a little bit. You know, it'll uh, be okay. We're probably not going to be in, in the clear uh, over the the virus itself until like June or so, which is, uh, and that might even be a. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. This is depressing. Okay. Yeah. Our opening is by Scott 2 Network, and our ending is by Takamakata. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time! <laughs>